back. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome back. Good morning, indeed. I was going to ask how his uh, drive and his trip was last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. We did, uh, it's probably the best time that we've ever had at Disneyland. Nice. Yeah. But uh, so we, you know, because it was her birthday. And oh. then, uh, yeah, so we did the um, the Walking in Waltz Footsteps tour. Okay. Which was fun. So, like, basically it started at noon. And, and so at first... They would only sell me one ticket because they they only allow fifteen people to go to this tour. So I was like, okay, well I'll get it for her then, sure. you know, and hopefully we'll see if I can get in. And then you know, last minute they were like, yeah, go ahead, you know, come on in. But nice. but I still had to pay, you know, the full price for it. It was an added you know cost. So you're in the park, you have to pay, you know, for your your cost to get your ticket, anyways. But so you're in the park, and then they it's a three hour long walking tour where they take you to to you know all the different spots in Disneyland where. Walt used to go and hang out. We went into his apartment, which was fun. His old apartment, like he built like a, you know, like a secret apartment for himself, essentially, huh. up in Main Street. Yeah. And then, and that's where he designed, you know, Disney World and a lot of the stuff. And so, um, yeah, it was fun. They gave us like a sort of a backstage ride onto two, onto two rides, like backstage pass onto two rides. We just got to walk on to uh, Alice in Wonderland and Small World, which was fun. And then they, they fed us lunch after the whole thing. It was great. It's fantastic. Yeah, if you're ever in Disneyland and have an extra hundred bucks per person, I highly recommend it. <laughs> Don't see that happening, but uh, if it does, right. I'll keep it in mind. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this big push. I, I haven't been to Disneyland since I was probably ten. And oh yeah, yeah. It's it's fine. I'm just, I'm not a Disney person. Like Disney stuff is sure. fine. But I, I remember even like a couple of years ago, my mom. Like happened to go to Disneyland because she was in at some conference down in L.A. and she texted me and she was like, "Hey, I'm going to Disneyland. Do you want me to get you anything?" And my first response was like, "No. I, what do I care? No. What? Yeah. What? What in the cut I want?" But then I remembered Indiana Jones, so I yes. had her grab some Indiana Jones stuff. Perfect. Because I do love Indiana Jones, and now with Marvel being part of it, I don't know how much they're present at Disneyland. There's there's a fair presence. There's a whole like area. It's more in uh, California Adventure, like, oh, okay. you know, no, on display okay. and stuff. But yeah. But now with the kid, all the grandparents are always talking about how they can't wait to go to Disneyland and like to go to Disneyland with Holly and everything. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's fine if right. this is you guys' dream, but um, I'm not paying for that. So right, that's all you <laughs> yeah. grandparents. Yeah. Get I, I will attend. Have no fear. Right. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> so, like, I wasn't, like, a hardcore Disneyland person. You know, I liked, like, Mickey Mouse, you know, was, like, my, my dude when I was when I was real little. You know, like, we had a, we had a Mickey Mouse version of Teddy Ruxpin. Wow. Uh, you know, it was, like, a cassette player that, yeah, the mouth moved and stuff. So, like, but I loved Mickey Mouse. But, like, the rest of them, I was like, eh, you know, give or take. But, but Jenny... Like her family loves Disneyland, and they used to go all the time when she was a kid. And she has a special connection, like with her grandma, who like her grandma's birthday was on like the opening day or something like that. And uh, so, uh, yeah, she used to go on It's a Small World all the time with her grandma. So she, you know, she loves it. And then she sort of stopped going. But so now we have a tradition. We've gone every year uh, on Thanksgiving. 
uh, since yeah, since we've been married, we have Thanksgiving dinner at Medieval Times, and then we go to uh, Disneyland. But oh, this year was for your, her birthday. Yeah, you still get your turkey that way. You're talking about at the park. That's smart. I could. I had a turkey leg once, and it did not agree with me. And since then, I'm just looking at, like, every time I see a person eating one, I'm like, how? How are you not just puking, like, right now? Or, or are you going to in a minute, and I'm just missing that part? Zach, were you ever a part of a Disneyland family? Oh, yeah. In fact, I think that's uh, one of the main reasons I don't really care about going anymore. Yeah. Um, because, because I used to go all the time. Especially having, you know, divorced parents yeah. where sometimes oh, it'd be sure. like twice twice a year going. So I've yeah, well, played a, a dozen times. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now it's kind of like I've been Dis- Disneyland out for the past like six years. The last, the last <laughs> two or three times my families have, have gone, I've been like, nah, I'll just stay home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's only so much of it you can handle when you've been on every ride there is, you know. Oh, sure. sure. Well, there's something about the Disneyland person where, like, you you guys are part of it, and I I, I love it, but it's just just one of those things where I just go, "Eh, it's it's just not for me. I I wish I could be that excited about. Now, okay, so, so, don't get me wrong. I, every time we go to Disneyland, I am not sober. (laughs) Like, for pretty much the entire entire time okay there's the there. missing piece i think you just yeah. showed me yeah no no yeah like, same here I, <laughs> that's the thing and so you know you you sneak it in or you you party at your hotel you know this time we so our hotel was super far away it was like a 20 minute walk away which normally we get one right at the gate but they're just like super expensive this year so um we didn't do that we got one super far away and we ended up like taking a lift we would walk back to the hotel and like drink or smoke and just be like fuck it and we took a lift back to the park it was great it's five bucks perfect like we'll do this you know multiple times a day so okay and yeah yeah and then in california adventure you can buy booze like they sell it oh you know i thought they sold it it downtown disney as well yes but that is not like at the restaurants you can go and get a beer and stuff like there's not really like like liquor carts you know where you can just get in a walk around yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that's California. Yeah. That's probably more California's fault than Disneyland's. Right. Right. Because if you have a well, place no, like, no, the, no. like the Strip in Las Vegas where you can go anywhere and buy a drink and then go anywhere else with that drink. you So within California Adventure, you can walk around anywhere with alcohol. Oh. As long okay. as it's not in a glass bottle. Yeah. But no alcohol is allowed within Disneyland. Even though it's all in the same resort on the same property. Yeah. You know, it's uh, and I'm not sure if it has to do with licensing more or just wanting to uphold the whole like Disney image, you know, it's probably wholesome. Yeah, yeah, it's probably that I would imagine. I would yeah. imagine plus Disneyland alcohol. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Was that sarcastic? It, uh, no. Oh, no. He I thought he was a notorious drunk. Oh, maybe he was. <laughs> I know. I know he raged a lot. Drinking and smoking. Yeah, he smoked a lot of cigarettes. Well, that's what killed him, right? Wasn't it lung cancer? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He just all of a sudden was yeah. like, hey, I got this cough that won't go away. Oops, I'm dead. He used to apparently sit in the park and just watch. And so, like, a lot of people said that for him, like, the magic, quote-unquote, was the people. Like, he would just love to watch the people enjoying the shit that he built. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah. He seemed like a cool dude, but he seemed like, you know, a little bit of a weirdo. Yeah. Just as far as, like, like you know. I don't know. I Like, if I'm being completely honest, for, like, the first 20 minutes of that tour, I cried just based on all of the shit that she was saying. You know, how he had a dream, and he saw his dream, and he saw it come to fruition, and he, he wanted to, you know, uphold this vision of, like, purity and, like, enjoyment for everyone, you know, throughout the end, and he did until... You know, it started going downhill after he died and shit. I was like, oh, all right. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, touched my heart a little bit, Walt Disney. And then he never got to see his real, real dream with with Disney World. And it still isn't quite what he wanted it to be. But he never right. saw Disney World happen. No, he, no he, never, he never even set foot there. He got to the point, he, he had all the shell companies to buy all the property. Because yeah. everyone was going to up the price on him once they knew it was him buying it. But right. And not the government. Yeah. And so, like, the, what do they call it? Celebration Village or whatever down there? The retirement community where you live in Disney World? Oh, right, right, right. Where it's like, if you... I don't know what it's called. If if your gated community isn't deed restricted enough, go move to Celebration Village because you can only use this type of nail to fix something and stuff like that. Right, right. Crazy. Talk about homeowners associations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're no cars parked uh, in sight. These are the colors you can paint your house. Why are you Dude. putting laundry out to dry? That's bad. I, my man, like I, I mean, I get it. I guess there's a certain type of person who wants to live in that environment, but like, not I. I like, yeah. I like freedom. I oh, like yeah. to, <laughs> I like to not have people all up in my shit. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. Well, they have that on the East Coast more. Um, so, I for different jobs I've had, I'd have, I've had to buy a lot of paint from uh, from Benjamin Moore, and so I look through their color samples all the time. And they have this oh, section sure. called uh, historical colors. And so at first I was like, "What is this about?" And so I looked more into it. And there's a lot of people on the East Coast who live in homes that are technically historical landmarks. So they okay. only have a set amount of paint colors they can use anywhere in their house. Otherwise, it's no longer historical. Well, otherwise, they'll be sued accurate. by historical societies for not uh-huh. holding up their end of the bargain. I just got a package and my dog's mad. So uh, had, uh, 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 what are you guys drinking tonight? Today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Starbucks. Woo! I'm drinking, uh, yeah, a Trenta iced coffee with three shots. Wow. Of espresso, so extra boost. Uh, 11 Jesus. pumps of sugar-free vanilla. <laughs> okay. No classic sweetener, although I'm pretty sure the dude put classic in there, even though it says on the label, none. And then half and half. But it's ridiculously sweet, but it's also really, really coffee And, okay. uh, you know, I'm all about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm having some ginger ale. Ha! <laughs> nice. I'm having ginger ale with my club soda and whiskey. Hey, oh, nice. We started early. Oh, first of all, I figured out what my drink is called. It's, oh, yeah? It's called a cablegram. Oh. The only thing I'm miss, missing is a teaspoon of powdered sugar, which I won't be adding. But yep. Why not? You should try it. Uh, maybe. I have some. I could try it. <laughs> but I just it happened might, to cross might that. might all of a sudden make it the most perfect drink in the world. Oh, that could be. You ever, had a, a, you ever have a, a good old-fashioned, like you ever really get all the ingredients together and make an old-fashioned in your home? 
No, but I've had a really good one in a bar, and it was lovely. Yeah. In, a, in a restaurant, not a bar. It was in a restaurant in Nevada. I the best old fashioned I ever had was at Bourbon and Branch in San Francisco. Oh yeah, the it's a speakeasy thing. There's like a password to get in or whatever. Um, my bartender, I ordered an old fashioned. My bartender took ten minutes to make an old fashioned. Cursed, threw it out, made a new one in two minutes, and then that was the best old fashioned I've ever had. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that's the secret what, recipe. What curse I don't did he know. use? <laughs> fuck. Yeah, of course. he made it. He was yeah. in the process of handing it to me, and then he went fuck and threw it all out and made a new one. <laughs> I'm curious what drink he actually made just then. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it took 10 minutes to make a drink, and he's like, oh, yeah. And then he's like, wait, that old fashioned was not this. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, even get to the point of handing it to you and then yeah. Yeah. changing his mind. He, he should have been like, you know what? This is this drink. Try it, and I'll still make you an old fashioned because that's what you asked for. Yeah, exactly. Rather than waste, rather than waste the drink. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually how it goes. Like, if the keg blows. When you order a beer, they just give you the half beer that they poured and say, hang yeah. on while I go change the keg, and then I'll give you a real one. Right. Yeah. That's how it should be. I don't know. They take things very seriously at the Bourbon and Branch. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you ever go, the password's always books. It's not a secret. Just It's books. 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 <laughs> I still have Twitter for right now because I accidentally changed the entire course of a recent episode of my favorite podcast. Ah, um, yeah. So it's a show called Dubai Friday. It's fantastic. It's uh, Merlin Mann and then the creator of Cards Against Humanity, Max Temkin, and um, one of the people who works at cards with him, Alex Cox. And the, the whole conceit of the show is it's called, um, it's called Dubai Friday because they give each other a challenge. I've kind of mentioned oh, okay. this before. And yeah. uh, their most popular challenge was uh, a um, Amazon challenge where they had a certain amount of money to send each other crazy gifts from Amazon. And then they opened it <laughs> on the show and recorded their reactions to getting like, you know, uh, 300 live ladybugs and uh, weird shaped loofah and dude wipes and stuff like that. Dude and, wipes. Yeah. Love it. And so um, they recently started uh, Patreon. You guys, are you guys aware of Patreon? Yeah. No. It's people on the internet say, I'd love some money. Um, I will like give you special user access to certain internet content if you pledge to give me $5 a month. Oh, okay. And so they, they started a Patreon. And so with the Patreon, you get access to their uh, super secret after show where they talk a little bit more after the podcast. And so for me, it's like, eh, five bucks. I like the show. I'm sure I'll like the after show because it's the same people. Same content. Right, yeah, why not? And so um, once they got to a certain level on their Patreon, they were going to do another Amazon challenge. And uh, another part of the Patreon is that you now can know what the challenge is the week before and then participate if you want. Okay. And so once they were like, we're doing the Amazon challenge again, they said, um, they're like, and, and that's it. And then one of them was like, wait, 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 how can they participate? And then someone else was like, oh, because uh, usually they have things go to the Cards Against Humanity building if it's just because Merlin Mann is like his own person in his little office in San Francisco and he'd rather not okay. people have the address but the Cards Against right, Humanity sure. office is a known quantity 
So they're like, okay, um, if you want to join in, then um, send things to, here's the address to Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> and I went, great. And oh, so my. I went down some deep, dark holes trying to find like the weirdest, pretty cheap thing I could send them. Okay. I, I found this company called Wall Monkeys, and they okay. make little wall decals. Is this going to be a spoiler? The, the episode's already out. Oh, okay. Good yeah, the, 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 I, I listened to it on Friday, and I, I ruined the whole episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they make wall decals. Lots of things that you think of, like uh, team logos and flowers and stuff like that, just stuff to decorate your walls. But there's this weird section of it where they have stock art of people. Okay, sure. And lots of it. Mostly it's old women just kind of like, like there's one of an old lady just sleeping like in a chair or something. Or an old lady drinking a beer or something. And then there's one that's um, big Asian man sticker. And it's a life-size Asian man just kind of standing there. Just like a 40-year-old Asian guy. <laughs> and that one, that one, I wanted to send, but it was about thirty-five dollars. Then I found one that was seven dollars, which was called "Smiling Asian Boy," and it's just uh, an Asian teenage boy, kind of like with his arms crossed in front of him and his head down, smiling. So from his arms to the top of his head. Okay, and that's it—just him smiling. And I happen to be the first package opened by <laughs> from from friends of the show they opened a few that they had sent each other first and then they're like oh let's get into some of these uh you know patreon packages i was the first one opened and they're like what what is this? is this is this a starcraft player and so the rest of the hour of the show they kept coming back to the sticker <laughs> and wondering like were we sent a racist sticker <laughs> what's going on <laughs> why did we get this everybody out there why did we get this sticker and I had a gift receipt that was supposed to come with it apparently it didn't I just said like hey guys a little something to spruce up the office and uh, <laughs> <That's all it. laughs> and so then we get into the after show and now they've kind of found it somewhere on the internet they still haven't found it on Amazon but they have found the image on Google of the smiling Asian teenage boy and they're still baffled about it <laughs> up to the point where one of them said, please direct message me on Twitter. If you sent us this and tell me why <laughs> you sent us this. <laughs> so I still have the Twitter app because I did direct message them. But then right when the show came out was when they were doing the women boycott Twitter thing. Oh yeah. And all three of them oh, okay. were not on Twitter and I don't, they really haven't come back on in the way that they normally are. So I'm waiting <laughs> for them to get back to me so that I can explain myself. But for now, they think I sent them a racist meme. Let's see. Smiling Asian teenage boy. That's a That's, dangerous yes. search, by the way. Yeah. It's really brave of you to just type that into your search bar. <laughs> and paste. There's the picture. There we go. That is the wall decal that they received. So, uh, 
I'm going to send you both. I have the smiling Asian teenage boy. Oh, Zach liked it. Yes. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't either until just now. All right. Now I'm you going learn to something you. new every day. Yeah. So, James, I am now texting you the smiling Asian teenage boy. And now I'm going to find the man that I really wanted. Asian man wall decal. Well, he is an attractive boy, though. He is, he's a nice-looking boy. <laughs> <laughs> you should send them a different one every week. <laughs> yes, I should. To populate their entire office with them <laughs> watching Asian people. Because <laughs> there's a lot of them. There's even there's a there's a, a younger Asian boy with his arms crossed. Perfect. Just for no reason. That same Asian boy who's looking directly at you, there's one of him looking kind of coy and up and to the left. Oh. Oh. Apparently hey, he went through a whole photo that's, shoot. Ooh, there's that's one of an him, idea. He's texting on a flip Nokia phone. Okay, so that's it. As many of him as you can. All of him, just once a week. And and never offer any other explanation. <laughs> yes. Okay, I finally got your text. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, so I uh, I derailed the whole show. and uh... That's amazing. <laughs> Completely unsettled them. That's fantastic. Yeah. They're going to find you, and they're going to start sending you some weird shit, too. I'd love it. <laughs> if uh, anyone from Dubai Friday is listening to this podcast, please send me weird things. I will display them in my home. I already have that. My favorite painting up on my wall is of an, a topless old man looking in a book full of pictures of women. I, yeah, I really. I don't know what, it's what it is or why, but I, it was at a yard sale. I couldn't stop looking at it. And so I just thought, well, art's supposed to speak to you. And yeah, now it's up to in my soul. home. Yeah. It speaks to everyone else, too. All right. I'm going to look because I had a request from a listener. iCloud. Wait, we have those? Did you guys ever watch the Batman animated series? Yes. I have not. This is from when we were kids, Zach. Uh,. I was, I was honestly never really into Batman. Okay, that's fair. Maybe maybe uh, I don't know why, but maybe Paul put you off of it by hiding in the bathroom with the lights off and then jumping out. Darkwing Duck. He would yeah, yeah he would pretend to be Darkwing Duck or Batman. <laughs> he, this guy would go into the bathroom. We're in probably we're probably seven or eight. He'd turn off all the lights and wait for someone else to come in and go. Hey, the lights are off, and then he'd. Shout something like, I am vengeance. I am the knight. <laughs> like, jump out and pretend to be alternately Batman or Darkwing Duck. That's amazing because you already had to pee when you go in there. Right. So now <laughs> you've got to clean your shorts too. Well, pretty much you knew you knew what was going on the moment you walked in and the lights were off. Oh, like, okay. And, and all the lights were, yeah. Which One stall of is Paul going gotcha. to jump out of? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, ever, did you ever watch oh, it, James? Lord. Yeah, yeah, I watched. Yeah, and then I even watched uh, Batman Beyond for a little oh, while. I loved Batman Beyond. Yeah, I didn't yeah. watch much of it, but I uh, thought it was a very cool concept for a show when I was nine. Right. 
That one, Zach, was we, like the future, right? Yeah, Batman. Yeah, Bruce Wayne is super old, but he's got like this suit, this bat suit that is like makes him, you know, young and spry again. Yeah. And then uh, a kid finds out and uh, the kid ends up taking over the suit. And Batman is like Bruce Wayne is like guiding him. <clears throat> from the Batcave where, you know, and Alfred's long gone and stuff. So Yeah, Bruce Wayne. Oh, I think okay. you know, Alfred, he becomes Alfred the Alfred. might have still been there. Yeah, but yeah, essentially. He's like the yeah. Alfred character. Or like the, the Fox. What's his name? Lucius Fox? Oh, yeah. In in the, yeah, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, he's, he's more like Lucius Fox to this kid. Yeah. And it's like uh, a, 2017. A tech guide and like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really didn't get into it until uh, the three the three uh, movies. The Christopher uh, Nolan's? Batman. Yeah, yeah. Which were great. They were. I so like at first I had a real problem with how with his Batman voice. You know, everything is all oh, like yeah, this. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but I mean, I, I sort of get it. You know, they they beat you over the head with the fact that like you need theatricality and you need to be separate from yourself. You know, like I get it. Um. But, like, each of the Batmans, like, have their own, like, you know, merits. Yeah. You know, like, like obviously, Michael Keaton, you know, like, hits more to, like, the early feel of the comic book, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of, and the, it sort of harkens back to the move, the, the original show with Adam West, you know, it's lighthearted, yeah. you know, and it's like, nobody's really, you know, killing people and, like, bashing people yet, you know, they're, like, obviously, there's, there's Chris Walken, Max, a million or whatever is, you know, oh, yeah. but, like, you know, he wasn't, like, that much of a murderous bastard. And then the penguin, you know, and it keeps progressing, but it was still had that like comic book feel, you know? And then I think everyone can agree that the George Clooney one was terrible, <laughs> but was the that, Val Kilmer one, what? Was, which, when, when did Jim Carrey come in? Was that George Clooney? No, that was Val Kilmer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, as a whole, the movie itself was kind of like too comic booky, you know, the, the bat that I felt, but like, but like I like the movie too, you know. I like the fact mm-hmm. that we had all those characters. You know, you had the, the, the Riddler and Two Face, and uh, you know. So, um, but it was too comic booky. And then like the the one with George Clooney, I just felt like shouldn't have been made. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that was in the t- '90s. Was the time when they were kind of trying to harken back to the early '70s. You know, when we had movies that just didn't make much sense. Right, like right. You, you watch things like, um, oh god, Burt Reynolds in a Trans Am, um, Smoking the Bandit, sure, or Cannonball Run, even, and it's just like, yeah, like where's the linear? Let's like, just what throw is some celebrities watching? into this movie and just go. Let's just start putting posters because we have all these celebrities right. in the movie, and so that's what where they got to with, with the George Clooney one, I think. Yeah. Hey, let's get some of the biggest yeah. names around, and that means it's a good movie, right? Yeah, right. There you yeah, go. exactly. That's all you need. Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, I really talking loved... about. Go. Oh, go ahead. Go, go, go. No, no, you, you. I just was gonna say I loved the Nolan movies because he brought he brought the reality, even though a yeah. lot of it was very unrealistic. But even with how he made it, have you ever seen the post about like the bats in Batman Begins? No, no. So they they're talking about like in this age of CG in every movie because CG is in every single movie you watch, whether you know it or not. The right. thing that very easily could have happened in that big scene <clears throat> where little Bruce Wayne, like the big swarm of bats, comes out at him. 
Yeah. You know, and kind of swirls around him when he's in the well and then goes up. It's early yeah, on. Yeah. It's, it's the reason he's yeah. afraid of bats. Um, the That was all CG, obviously, but um, the thing that could have easily happened is Christopher Nolan could have fallen down the CG hole that everyone does and, like, you just follow one of the bats as it goes all yes. around him. And then all, as the bats are flying away, one bat kind of turns back to the camera and shrieks at you and then flies off and it's just kind of a wink to everyone that, look how cool the CG is. And he didn't fall for that trap. He... Just, no, he didn't let you focus on any of it. Yeah, he just made it very kid. realistic. It's the kid, and he's scared of these bats, and now they're gone. Right. Right. That, that, that was I, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. I appreciated the, the darkness of it. Because in the comics, from what I understand, now I'm not too familiar with the entire Batman canon, but from what I understand, there, there are certain timelines wherein Batman gets real dark and he becomes like a killer. Like yeah. he, he goes around with a shotgun and like he becomes like a vigilante. And I like that, that the, the Nolan versions like hearken to that. Like, like Batman, you know, is, has a potential to be just like a dark, you know, fucking character. Like he's, he's, you know, bats are evil kind yeah. of, or yeah. they could be. He's a tortured soul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very much so. Yeah. And it's something Ben Affleck is getting further away from. There's some scene apparently from the new trailer for the justice league movie. Okay. Kid who sees like all the superheroes and then he gets into the Batmobile with with Ben Affleck and he goes, Hey man, what's your superpower? And Ben Affleck says, I'm rich. (laughs) (laughs) Not I'm angry or not, you know, I vengeance in my soul. Like I have a lot of money, child. What great. Perfect. Because Batman's real superpower (laughs) is the fact that he's so driven. Right, right. That that his you can't break his spirit. Yeah. You know, as we saw with Bane. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have underestimated me, Mister Blaine. Yeah. <laughs> That's something from Dubai Friday, where whenever they're reading a quote from Steve Bannon or Sebastian Gorka, they read it as Bane. Perfect, because it <laughs> it works. Like there's a there's it's a, all yeah. the same. there's a recent quote from Sebastian Gorka, which I'll now read in the Bane voice. Uh, it went something like. The left has no idea how much more we can tear them down as private citizens. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that makes things so much more scary in real life. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know that I'm into that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to live on this planet anymore. That's uh, too similar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of not living on this planet anymore, so <clears throat> there. Okay, <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. Uh, I used to work at Starbucks, and but before I even worked there, there was this man. My my buddy Cliff worked there, and there was this man named Joseph, and Joseph was, uh, for lack of a better word, I, I'm pretty sure homeless and a transient, but he always had. He, so he, he's an elderly black gentleman, and he had a really heavy like African accent. Right, but he always had this. He was reading a newspaper. Now, most of the time, the newspaper was not current, okay, and it was probably just the same newspaper. But he, he, you know, he he had been doing this for so long, he knew how to look busy and unassuming, and you know, so and also he would carry this leather briefcase with all of his belongings in it, you know. Huh. But it was it was an actual briefcase. It wasn't like a duffel bag or anything. You know, it was just like an overstuffed soft leather briefcase. So, and anytime you say, hey, Joseph, how you doing? His response is always, he's waiting for his money. I'm waiting for my money. Uh, waiting for my money. Okay. Right? And so, and, and, you know, one time I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, where, where is it? Where is it? Where is your money? 
you know, and so basically what happened, according to Joseph, was was back in Africa, some voodoo lady stole his soul and was making it work. So his soul was back in Africa doing work, doing physical labor for this lady mm-hmm. or some sort of, of weird work for this lady. And she and now at this point, the, the wages that his soul had earned him were upwards of 13 million dollars. Um, and it had something to do with George Bush preventing this lady from coming over here to give him his money hmm. or something like that. Or, and, and it was always some sort of thing like that that was preventing this lady from coming over here. But, and, and the amount changed, you know, cause, cause each time I saw him, his soul had been doing more work for this lady. Right. So he's probably keeping so, track. He's got like a ledger somewhere in that. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I mean that, you know, so <laughs> from just a side, like watching this guy, like that's the perfect you know story. No, I'm waiting, waiting for my money officer. I'm waiting. I'm waiting here. It's fine. I'm not bothering mm-hmm. anyone. I'm just waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, like, like from his perspective, like his whole life, he's waiting for his goddamn money. Yeah. You know, and his, <laughs> his soul is working. You know, and I haven't seen this guy for about two years. And, you know, one of two things happened. Either the elements got him and he, you know, he's old and he, he didn't make it or <laughs> he got his money. And <laughs> he's yeah. back in Africa living like a king. Yeah. You know? Well, and here's the thing about a story like that. Let's say... Let's just assume for a moment that there are voodoo women in Africa who can do actual voodoo on people. Right. Um, that that you, if you had your soul stolen and it was put to work, that's exactly how you would seem to everyone was pretty crazy. Right. Right. Like that's the thing. Like perception is reality to the perceiver. Yeah. Right. Whether or not it's true, this man believes it to be true. And if it is true, that's insane. <laughs> you know, of course, of course we wouldn't believe him. Like, yeah, yeah, Joseph, sure you are. You're waiting on your $13 million from your soul work. Yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you want an extra pastry that I'm giving you for free here? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So this no, was, I, even I two know. years ago, he was still blaming George Bush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At least the first consistent. one, not not George W. Mm. The first oh. one. He's mm. been here, been waiting on his damn money since the first George Bush. Did you know that George H. W. is the oldest living president? No. He's the same age. How old as, is he? He's ninety-three. Huh. He's, oh wow. He's the same age as Jimmy Carter, but he's a few months older. Oh, okay. So he's the same age as the guy who was president about 10 years before him, which is, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he's the father of the guy who was president about 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. He's a very old man. And he's still got his fingers in all those pots, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bush family is a weird, weird route. Ah, no. It'll take one one question. (laughs) And, and you'll be hey, hearing tell about me it. about the bushes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, <laughs> months later, we're still talking. Yeah, <laughs> that was, it was, uh, he used to be my boss, Zach. And oh, okay. sometimes uh, the workday would be him playing taped old underground radio shows at me. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Fifteen-year-old underground radio <laughs> shows he had taped. Oh my god! Um, and then, like, like sitting across from me, ten feet away, for hours, watching oh, how I reacted Christ. to what the guy on the radio was saying. 
I, dude, I would not have been able to stick around. That I'm amazed that you did. Doesn't sound creepy at all. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he's he's one of these guys. He's he's an ultra liberal, and he really, really believes in the shadow network created by the Bushes. Which part of yeah. which I'm sure is true. I'm sure there's a lot to that because the Bush family controls a lot more of the country's finances than people really realize. Right. And I like to not. Yeah. Like to not think about it because it it bothers me. It impresses you. Helpless, yeah, it vexes me to the point that I know that I could become a person yeah. or a Joseph yeah. if you, you let know, it happen. Or any sort of conspiracy theory. Yeah, if I if I let myself like hear the conspiracies, I believe them because they are like eighty percent true. Yep. It's the unfortunate part about yeah. The, yeah, but people go down really deep, dark holes, and that's how we get things like the shooting at the pizza place, or shooting, or yeah. whatever it was. Was it a shooting? At the uh, concert? No, no, the, the pizza no, place. The pizza pizza, pizza place back east. Uh, I think he just like shot it into the ceiling a couple times. Yeah, that, that's what it was. It's because the Democrats were using this pizza place as an underground uh, child sex ring. Supposedly, yeah. (laughs) This guy sussed it out from the stolen Podesta emails. When John Podesta emailed something like, that was a good speech, he meant, get me three young boys. (laughs) 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 At ping pong pizza. Yeah. Yeah. In their non-existent basement. Exactly. (laughs) There was the other guy who did a live stream in there. Did you ever see this? No. he, He walked in live streaming... Like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And walked into a child's birthday party in the back room. (laughs) Just this man with his phone out filming people. And, like, they told him that he had to leave the child's birthday party, which is a very normal thing to say to someone who barges into your eight-year-old's birthday party. And and for him, that was all the proof he needed. (laughs) That's it. That's it, you evil bastards. I figured it out. Uh. (laughs) Oh my god. So, um, I'm drinking because we started drinking early in the day. Um, my wife and I have a game where we trick each other into taking shots of fireball all the time. Oh, okay. Oh my god. It's gotten very, very deep. Um, I'm better at it, I'll say. (laughs) Uh, It's like, this morning I was reading the paper in the kitchen. And I quietly poured two shots of fireball and set it on top of the paper. And then I kind of blocked that part of the paper and I yelled, can you come in here and look at this article? And then when she came in, I like turned so that she could see the paper and there were the two shots. And so now we ask the Echo to play uh, Fireball by Pitbull and then we take the shots. <laughs> the best one to date that I've done is I set the toaster oven to the to zero temperature and then turned on the timer for five minutes and put the shots inside of the toaster oven. Oh my god. <laughs> so ding and yeah. it lights up and they're there. <laughs> so I went I went into the other room and like she's in the bedroom, whatever, putting clothes away or something. So I come in and I start doing that too. And then when it dings, I went, ooh, can you get that? And she was like, yeah, sure. And and there it was. Alexa, play Fireball. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I still can't stand Fireball ever after that one camping trip that we had. <laughs> you can go too deep. I'm to the point sometimes where when we are tricking each other all day, I am also yeah. all day long going to the medicine cabinet for Tums. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whiskey and cinnamon. Huh. Do you have any you have any traditions like that with your wife, James? Um, well... <laughs> 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 Maybe not ones that you're going to get into. Yeah, 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 not 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 particularly. Got it. Try to think. We so I mean, okay. The the hay game. Do you know about the hay game? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's a stupid, stupid, terrible, wonderful, amazing game. It's called, it's basically a glorified made you look. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the I, first of all, let me preface this with I was I learned this game when I was 20 years old working in. Uh, in Chicago at the Rainforest Cafe. We all played it at the cafe. My roommates played it. They told me, you know, so the point is to say the word hey and get someone to look, right? You can't say their name and you can't touch them. And you can't keep saying, hey, 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 hey. You say hey once and they look and then you say thanks. You get a point and that's it. That's, and it, it ends there. I know I don't have anything to tell you. Hey, look, thanks, done. <laughs> right? Okay. The way not to get got is to say no. So, hey, no, and then you've blocked it, and then you can say what, you can look, and, you know, you're fine. Um, or to just not make eye contact. That's that's you, like, blocking, and then you would get the point if we were actually giving points. <laughs> so, she, so, first of all, I used to play this game with her all the time, and then she started, like, she just, like, started winning. She was just like, nope, I'm not playing. Not even saying no, she just would not even acknowledge that I said it, right? Like, she sort of trumped me. Okay. And so now... <laughs> Like, we don't really play with each other. We, we play it at the theater now. Everybody at the theater plays it, thanks to this last show, because there was a child there. Because Nathan Orager was there. Yeah. And he saw me play it with somebody, and he was like, okay, boom. And so now it's like full-on meme status. Everyone's playing it at the theater. Fine. But so Jenny will do this thing where she... And I can hear it in her voice that she actually has something to tell me. So she goes, hey. And I look, and she goes, thanks. But also, <laughs> this thing... oh wow yeah so and she just like she gets me now she's she's so good at the game she gets me and i can't get her i Hmm. just it falls flat anymore did you ever play uh doorknob yes it's a it's a variation of that without the farting and without the punching right right and so we used to play the circle game when i was young sure which is, you know, you, you hold your hand in, a, in the sign language symbol for okay. Uh, below your waist. Below the waist. And if someone looks, you get to sock that person. And if they put their finger through it, they get to sock you twice. Like, there's a whole bunch of convoluted rules. You know, but I never liked that version because I don't like socking people. Even though I was really good at, like, being sly and, like, making you look. I don't like socking people. I don't like the violent aspect of it. So as soon as I heard about the hate game, I was like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Because even and that's the the beautiful thing about this game that that people are like because now the point that like I play it so much I'm like hey and people look and I say thanks and they're like fuck you immediately and I'm like yes that's how I know you're my friend because we play this game so much (laughs) you just said fuck you (laughs) did you guys like have a even no did you guys keep score at work because you say you get a point so did you have have a scoreboard. No, not really. I'm sure it started out that way, but it was just, you know, because in a serving environment, 
everyone's, you know, fast paced. Everyone's like right. moving left and right and looking around, you know, you say, Hey, because people are moving oftentimes with hot liquid or, you know, trays full of cold liquid, <laughs> you don't want to be there. So yeah. it's just like, Hey, thanks. Ah, <laughs> every single time. And, and the level of frustration increases the, you know, the level of busyness that a person is or the level of stress they're dealing with. <laughs> when, when I worked at round table, we had a game my friend Sean and I had a game uh and the game was in hindsight like I even kind of knew it then I didn't want to be doing this but um we had a game where we would see who could upsell the most ah and so we came up with all these different strategies to um upsell people have I mentioned this on here before because they're Um, still being used (laughs) (laughs) I think our boss got wind of us doing this or like watched us doing this, which it was very good for him. Like, this is brilliant. Yeah, of course. But it was things like someone would, oh, we also had a thing where we could um, like kind of pop the phone. We had a phone that was on the wall. And so whenever someone called, we would kind of pop it up in the air and then catch it midair and answer the phone. Nice. And then people would say, like, let's say they say, hey, can I get a large pepperoni pizza? And then the upsell tactic that we first came up with was to say, would you like to um, make that a family size for about a dollar more? <laughs> Which was not something we were taught of how to say that. We were taught to, to offer it to them. But when you say like, whatever, fifteen ninety nine versus seventeen fifty, that that's a big difference mentally. Than about a dollar more. Yeah. About a dollar yeah. more is they're like, wait, how much more is it? And you can say like, yeah, you know, 148. And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so we would do this all shift, just try and out upsell each other and made uh, that place a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> we would even upsell to delivery. People would call in like they were going <laughs> to pick up. We'd be like, hey, you know, for only about five bucks, we can bring it to you. <laughs> sure. Oh my god. You mean I don't have to leave my house? All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, we were we were upsell people and that we we'd uh, we would literally keep track though. We would write down how much more we had made the customers oh, yeah. pay for their food <laughs> and then compare at the end of the night and whoever uh had less had to buy our case of beer that we were going to demolish. We, so at the rainforest, they, I mean, we had the same sort of competitions, but there was no reward. It was just, (laughs) you sell the most, you get the most money. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And and bragging rights. Right. Yeah. Well, the delivery thing was even better for me because I was the only certified delivery driver that that place employed for (laughs) too long. Yeah, you, you you mentioned that mentioned fact, that part, I think, but yeah. Uh, so but when yeah. I could upsell them to delivery, that meant I also got a delivery payout and a tip. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course, and something to do yeah. a oh, break yeah. from sitting in the damn store. Yeah, yeah. Although, man, working at a, I kind of miss those days a little bit. Working at a pizza place like on a busy Friday night, like when you go just moving and shaking. Ooh, it's the first and it's Friday. We are gonna be busy tonight, guys. Because you get into the zone making pizzas. Yeah, yeah. Where you're taking you're taking the newbies and you're like, hey, go wash dishes because we got to do this. Wait, this has to be done. <laughs> stop, 
looking at the sheet where it says weigh out three and a half ounces of pepperoni and then right like you're grabbing handfuls and you're fucking going i know what the correct amount of pepperoni looks like on a pizza just move i can do this right (laughs) right i just think those are those were the days man before uh any real responsibilities (laughs) right (laughs) I'd All get, your life, yeah, yeah, just making pizzas. I'd get a paycheck every week. I would pay my rent with the first paycheck, but I was always going home with money, and it was great. I was not worried <laughs> about money. I had a place to live. I had food. I partied every single night, and it was fantastic. I don't know why I stopped. And there was no one else depending on you for their food. That's the difference. Oh, that's yeah. a huge <laughs> difference, yeah. But I also didn't cook. I didn't own food. No, because you're a bachelor. Why would you? The most food you cook is ramen. And even then you're like, why? Oh, not even that. McDonald's. Not even that. I lived, I rented a room from um, some people that I worked with. They gave me the choice of either my own entrance or (laughs) my own bathroom. And I chose my own Ah. bathroom. So I got the master bedroom, but I had to walk through the house. Oh, big deal. Um, Yeah. So I had my own bathroom, and I had a little mini-fridge, but the only thing in there ever was beer, because I worked at a place with food, so I would either <laughs> eat at work or get Taco Bell. and it was On the way home from work. Yeah, yeah or on the way to work or whatever, because I worked from four to midnight. And um, so I just, I didn't realize it for months, but eventually I went, hmm, I haven't bought food in like months made food other than what I do for my job (laughs) that's fine it's probably fine and uh but yeah it was great and I partied every single night I either went out with my friend Sean or there was this other guy Tim who always knew where there was a party and he didn't have a car so he would ask me to take him to the party (laughs) and I would say yes and I will attend and we'd go and party all night long man I had a very similar existence when I was a pizza person yeah (laughs) so i used to being you know being a smoker um i used to ration out joints so i you know because i lived with my dad at the time i was 18 Uh and i had been kicked out of my mom's house um for not going to school when i was 17 so i've been living with dad for probably four months at this point um and i so i got this job you know i was out of high school i got my ged and uh So I'm working now, and I would ration out. I would roll these short joints for myself all day. And uh, because I had heard, I had gotten in my head that you're only supposed to take three hits and be good and and be fine. So I would take three hits and then put the joint out and ride with a half a joint in my car while I'm delivering pizzas all night. And then, (laughs) and, and it was Little Caesars. So, you know, there was hot and ready. So I would just take an extra hot and ready and keep it in my car and eat it while I was driving and smoking. <laughs> you know, my friends got wind that I was the driver, so they would call and ask for me, and then I would hook them up with an extra crazy bread or an extra, you know, pizza. And, ex- you know, and often I would I would do that in exchange for weed. Like, I would go sure. and they'd give me some weed, and I'm like, here's some crazy bread. <laughs> One time I did it to some strangers. I walked up to this trailer and like I had gotten the crazy bread for myself, but I hadn't opened it yet. And uh, they were 
they were smoking just blatantly huge bong sitting on the table coughing like he tried to like hide it but he opened the door just a little too wide and i'm like dude i totally saw that <laughs> and uh he was like what's up and i was like hey i was like uh make you a deal he's like what's up i was like i'll give you a free crazy bread if you let me take a rip off of that bong he was like uh hang on a minute <laughs> he closed the door and then he goes and talks to him and i hear him say something and then the other guy goes wait are you serious he's like yeah man he said he goes are you fucking serious he's like yeah he opens the door he's like yeah that'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> so i i go and grab the crazy bread i walk in the house and i took the fattest rip that i had ever taken and i'm like thanks fellas and they were just like awesome <laughs> <laughs> we got some crazy bread out of this, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that'll be okay. Like, I'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, the life of a delivery driver is a party life, apparently. Yeah, they are, based on the sample size of two that we have. It yeah. sure seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was amazing. I don't know. I, I, I think I left because I was unhappy with the amount of money, even though looking back, it was plenty of money. Yeah, it was enough. It, it, enough is the exact the exact correct term. I could have done that for a long time. Yeah. They stopped the delivery program at Little Caesars. Yeah. And so I had the option of just becoming a regular employee and missing out on my tips but still getting the same like few hours or, you know, that's, that's and so I did that for a little while, but then I was like, never mind. I'm going to peace out. Yeah. That's a lot shittier. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. it was little Caesars too. It yeah. wasn't even like gourmet pizza. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time, um, I went to a little Caesars and I ordered not a hot and ready pizza and uh-huh. they didn't, how dare you? They didn't know what to do. Yeah. Cause you know, they have like, <laughs> like three other pizzas that are, that they have to go make. Yeah. And I just happened to go in at a time when uh, no one was there who knew how to make pizza. <laughs> Am I wrong or do the hot and ready is like it's, it's a frozen pizza. Like they ship you frozen pizzas and then you cook it and put it in a box, right? No, 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 not at all. No, oh, okay. You make the dough and you make the sauce. You put the sauce on it, you know. Um, but it's like you said, like there's an exact ratio. And so the, so at least when I did it, it was like the, the manager of the store comes in every morning and makes all the dough for the day. Uh, oh. And then, you know, cause you have to proof it right. uh, and let it, you know, and so he actually ta- makes the dough for the next day and then comes, you know, and then he makes the sauce too. And there's these big giant like cauldron mixers with like, like four foot long whisks that yeah. I used to use as light as like swords. Cause how could you not? <laughs> um, yeah. And then, yeah. So, but, but it's real cheap ingredients. The sauce comes like the, the herbs and stuff are all pre-mixed. So it's just open packets pour in this with, with tomato sauce and blah, blah, and stir it up, you know, and then the dough, like, uh, I don't remember, I don't think it comes pre-mixed, but it, but like it came, it wasn't pre-mixed, but the, the, it came pre-portioned, right? So, so he would open one bag of this and throw it in one bag of this and throw it in one bag of this and throw it in. And then it was, you know, wasn't like he was measuring stuff out. He was just opening the shit, throwing it in and, and having the machine mix it. And then he was, you know, the only measuring he did was when he cut it off into the, the bits to make the you know, the rounds. Right. Believe it or so, not, that is the exact same process at round table. Yeah. Even yeah, though round table is, is more gourmet. Um, right. You got a bag for the pizza dough and you put it in the big cauldron thing with like the spiral thing to mix the yeah, dough. Yeah. So you put that in with the right, right amount of water and then same deal with the tomato sauce, put it in right amount of water. 
But right. the, the yeah. fun job, because when I worked there for about two weeks, I went and asked what I needed to do be, to become a shift supervisor. And uh-huh. like, whoa, uh, well, you have to have done every job that we have. I'm like, okay, done. So cool. I started putting up <laughs> extra shifts because we had two different stores that were – it was a whole uh, thing that the owner did in order to not pay everyone as much money. There were two roundtables in town. He owned both of them. They were technically separate businesses. And then if you worked at one, you technically also worked at the other one. So you could do a 16-hour day but not be paid any overtime at all because you were Uh, at one job and then uh, you were at another. I see. Yeah, so that was... Man, that's shady. It's super shady. shady. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also a way to just pick up because he wouldn't pay overtime. Right. If you were on overtime, you had to go home. So (laughs) it was a way to make extra money was just, okay, fine. I'll just work two shifts. That's fine. But so the pizza rolling was, that was very boring. You ran it through the machine and then you like put, I don't know why Alexa's talking to me. Um, (laughs) And um, you'd like make little cuts to see if it had rested long enough or if it was going to shrink some more and whatever and cut up the little rounds and make however many right, of each yeah. size and stuff. But the prep was actually really cool because Roundtable, was, uh, their, their slogan is last honest pizza because we use all fresh ingredients, which isn't really true based on the <laughs> packets of powder that you turn into pizza dough and, and tomato sauce that show up. But for the other <laughs> ingredients, it is true because prep was an awesome job. It was like take onions and um, put them through these different grinding machines to make them into the onions that go on the pizza. Right. Dice tomatoes, um, dice up, you know, peppers and stuff. That was the best job. I loved that job because it was not time sensitive. You just had to be out by the end of your shift. And you just, <laughs> you just got to sit in the back and like cut up vegetables. It was super cool. Yeah. We did that at Togo's too. Ah. Yeah, I believe that. Yep, Togo's and Subway. And then, uh, but that was a little bit more, you know, as needed. You, you know, you do it a little bit at the beginning, but then you run out inevitably throughout the shift. So, you know, you got to, somebody has to run in the back and chop the shit. And I loved using the mandolin slicer. Yeah. <laughs> Mandolins are dangerous, though. Yeah. So <laughs> the first Christmas Jenny and I were uh, had as a married couple, I bought her one. Because she had mentioned how she, she wanted, you know, something that would help her in the kit. I was like, sweet. So, uh, and literally... 30 seconds of having it open, she cut off almost her fingertip. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she cut off a chunk of her fingertip. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, okay. <laughs> Maybe this was a bad decision. No, that's just, that's a rite of passage for using a mandolin. Yeah. yeah on, on Dubai Friday, they've talked about mandolins a lot. And one guy had cut off the tips of his fingers using a mandolin. Yeah. And, and his story is that he went to the emergency room about it. And... The nurse who was checking him out at first said, yeah, I cut off my fingertips using a mandolin, too. And then the hand surgeon who came by to see if anything needed to be done said, yeah, I cut off my fingertips on a a mandolin, too. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just a rite of passage. Yeah, you you get a mandolin, you cut off your fingertips. Yeah. You you ever seen what they use on, on like, MasterChef Junior when the kids are using the mandolin? Mm -hmm. There's some, like, rubber thing. Like, you're using – Oh, yes. You're cutting up an onion. So you have this rubber thing, and you stick the onion in the rubber thing, and then you're only touching the rubber thing. So if anything gets cut off, it's a little bit of rubber. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. smart. Yeah. Smart. I I had to – so my niece one time, 
when she was probably like four years old, they had, were had started letting her cut food, or five, I think it was. Uh, they started letting her cut food, and so she was she grabbed this knife and she was about to cut one like a sourdough round, and she had a steak knife, and she was trying to cut this, and I was like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. And I was like, the first rule in cutting something is either your knife or your hands have to be bigger than the thing that you're cutting. And, she, and my grandma goes, oh, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> like, That's a really good rule. Like, That's a way to do it. Ah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Because otherwise it slips. You know, it's bad pie. I used to um, – not used to. I don't know why I started with I used to. I am married to <laughs> uh, a – <laughs> You used to too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you she, are currently, but you used to too. She used to be someone. Um, so my wife used to be a Cutco saleswoman. Oh, awesome. You know the knife people that come to your door and try and sell you a bunch yeah, of knives? Yeah, yeah, She was one of those people. And so because of that, and she like did really well, and so sales bonuses were you got like knives. You got knife sets. So all of our knives, our butter knives are not, but our steak <laughs> knives and our drawer of knives are all Cutco. And so I prepare most meals, but when I'm preparing it, I have to say, hey, I'm about to cut this up. Which knife should I use? And then she goes into the drawer and she pulls out whatever specific knife and tells me what it is and I don't remember it. And then I use that knife. So that's, that's how awesome. I uh, avoid getting cut. <laughs> I, I have learned that you want a serrated knife for meat. Correct. Correct. I, I always thought you just needed a sharp knife, but apparently you need a serrated knife. Well, right. I mean, if you can get it like razor sharp, yeah, you, know, you can do it with with a straight one, but uh, it's easier with a straighter one. But depends on the cut of meat too, and, and how you're cutting it. There's like if you like the direction of cut, same way with wood makes it easier. Mm. You know, you have to go with with the grain. Yep, I knew that about wood, and I have applied it to meat, and I'm glad to hear that that is a good way to do things. Yeah, because I didn't. I makes didn't it know messier sure. otherwise. Specifically, if like if you're using a serrated blade and you're cutting against it, like you can. Like, you can fuck it up that way. <laughs> you're trying to present a steak. Like, if you're eating it, obviously, my opinion is when I'm eating shit, it, like, it, it can all mix together. And it can all, like, I don't necessarily have to have it the same size. And it doesn't have to look pretty when I take a bite because I'm going to chew that shit up anyways. It's not going to look pretty when I swallow it. So as long right. as it tastes okay. You know, and I, <laughs> like, my own personal aesthetic, like, I like the meat and the veggies to be different sizes. I like each bite to be a little bit different. You know, Jenny like hates that about my cooking, and I'm like, no, dude, it's great. Like, I'll give you a fucking two two inch chunk of chicken here with a one inch carrot, and then vice versa. And you tell me which is the perfect bite, and you can make it yourself. And she's like, no, make everything uniform, everything's the same. And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh man, I've I've started um, going to the store and buying whole chickens. Yeah, lately, yeah. because about five years ago, I got tired my, my grandma is has always been our family's cook uh -huh. so like thanksgiving comes and it's like great grandma what are we gonna have we'll bring a salad and she just makes everything but um about 10 years ago she started kind of getting tired of that but not saying anything okay and taking lots <laughs> and lots of shortcuts like <laughs> instant mashed potatoes and gravy out of a pouch and stuff like that right and, and so after a few years of living through steadily declining uh, level of taste for the Thanksgiving meal, I just went, oh, okay, 
Hey, Grandma, would you mind if I kind of took the lead on Thanksgiving this year? And she's yeah. like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, less for me to do. Great. And so Perfect. on Thanksgiving, I've started like showing up their house around 8 a.m. to start the turkey and blah, blah, blah. Other people help you, out and bring sides and stuff. But I, I started. Do you ever the, brine your turkey? Not yet. That may be next year because I'll, I'll tell you what I'm doing this year soon. But it's I always okay. do something yeah. different. Like last year was uh, I did um, Simon and Garfunkel turkey. So I, I seasoned it with, <laughs> with parsley, sage, rosemary. Parsley, and sage, thyme. rosemary, and thyme. That's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> it was really good. Um, yeah. But so I realized this year that it's been – this is my fifth year now of making the turkey. And my family – it's gone to the point where I don't need to ask permission now. They are just assuming that I'm going to make the turkey, which is fine. Right. It's, it's your totally job. fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of brought up like what I was thinking about doing and they were like, great, we'll, do, we'll just buy you the, the machine because this year I'm doing a rotisserie turkey. <laughs> what? I've, oh, that's brilliant. I've purchased an addition for my barbecue, which I love, to that's a big enough rotisserie spit for a turkey. And so <laughs> I'll be doing the turkey rotisserie style uh, at home and then bringing it out to Thanksgiving meal, which is... That's fantastic. We call it dinner, but we eat it about one. So Yeah, one or two. You got to give yourself time to like digest and then go back yeah. and digest and then go back. Yeah, exactly. And pass out turkey nap. Exactly. Yeah, the first You could year, brine it too. Brine it. So brining it, what does that do? It sounds like it would make it cook quicker because it's not as tough. It does, and it makes it uh, moister. It it removes the need for basting. Oh, thank God. A lot. That's yeah. the other reason I started cooking the turkey is I don't like turkey. <laughs> so right, right. I hate so. turkey mostly because it ends up dry. And so I had started doing every, anything I could to make sure that the turkey was always moist. So, so Jenny made good. Jenny made the perfect turkey one year, and she brined it with like half orange juice. You can find the recipes on Pinterest, but it was half orange juice and uh, uh, like Worcestershire sauce and uh, apple juice. Uh, it was stuff like that, like and uh, capers and like dill and you know so, something like that, like just like for a little bit of flavor. Yeah. And a bunch of salt and a bunch of garlic. And she brined it overnight. And then when she cooked it, she separated the skin and she, like, like just shoved a bunch of, like, cold raw butter mm -hmm. uh, between the skin and the breast and just roasted it for, like, two hours. Yeah. And it was the, it was like a rotisserie chicken, but it was turkey. That's great. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, pick your favorite brine. But but you do that in addition to your, your roasting. And I think your... your I want to come to Thanksgiving at your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that I might I might do that this year because that would make the rotisserie yeah. part go a lot quicker, right? And it yeah. would infuse a lot more flavor because I always do the butter under the skin because right that's way number well, that's one. That's what makes it crispy. Yeah, yeah. it's way number one to make sure that it's not dry. And right, uh, and it infuses the yeah, it gives a little bit of. Of uh, fat for the moistening. I've been watching this show. Uh, it's called Food Science. Uh, delicious. Uh, it's called Food Delicious Science is what it's called. Okay. I think. Hmm. And it's on Netflix. And uh, it's basically that. It's a, it's two British dudes. One of them is a botanist and the other one is a medical doctor. And they talk about the actual science of how food works and how, like, you know, how it affects your body and how you're 
which foods your body needs and on a basic molecular level, what it does to your brain and, you know, yada, yada, yada. The first episode deals with like uh, peppers and like capsaicin and how, A, in nature, how, how that evolved to become what it was because birds are completely immune. Their taste buds do not at all adhere to the capsaicin molecules. So they just, they, they're solely responsible for the spread of peppers in nature. Um, and then, and so humans like capsaicin, uh, it's it's really similar to a molecule that that tells your brain that you're on fire. You have a you have a sensor that is specifically designed for extreme heat, and capsaicin like fits that sensor like a skeleton key, and so it sends a chemical to your brain that your mouth or anything that touches this capsaicin is on fire, and that's what the heat is come you know because there's no actual heat right. that is caused by this, but yeah. but it's you know it's it's a chemical message in your brain, and milk blocks that. And it covers those receptors. And it, so it goes into the science of, like, how food affects you, but, like, also why it's important for your body. I, you know? Yeah. So I've only watched three episodes, but, like, I'm, I'm into it so far. That's great. I've gone through a change recently. I used to love spicy food, and I'm liking it less, and it's affecting me yeah. more like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> it affects your stomach more, right? Yeah. yeah. Bad news. It's, yeah. it's weird to me, but that's I think that's also part of the fact that your tastes change mm-hmm. you know cyclically because yeah. i used to hate spicy food and then i loved it and now i'm i still like it but it hurts more in moderation yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i still i love spicy food but it's it's more of dealing with how much do i love this versus how much tums and bathroom time am i going to need right here? Yeah. <laughs> so I have found. So it, I take uh, pantoprazole, which is an upgrade from omeprazole. Um, it's you know prescribed by a doctor, but you can get like over the counter stuff. If you take like something like that, like omeprazole or um, something like that, to reduce the acid, that'll help your ability. But you have to take one every day. But it, it will help your ability to to process the spicy shit without you know being torn up. So Zach, translate this for me. Is this like uh, like a Pepsi AC or something? Uh, it's uh, so Pepsid is famotidine. Uh, uh, Protonics is in a group called the proton pump inhibitors. It's uh, more potent than like Zantac and Pepsid. Okay. Right. So it's it's medicinal. But it's, it's not as a meat. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, some like like uh, James was saying, you have you know Prevacid and um, Prilosec and Nexium all over the counter, and they're all in the yeah, same that's same the family Prilosec, as Prilosec and yeah, well, Prilosec and is all the same thing, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but they're just not immediate. They take, uh, like he was saying, you have to take a daily, or at least for a few days normally to get benefit, whereas like uh, Zantac, Pepsid, you know, you can get it after one dose, or like a Tums, you get, you know, immediate relief. Okay. I've had to do this in the recent past. It was around the time we were getting married, and so... W- scheduling is hard and you tend to eat shittier foods and shittier Mm -hmm. foods tend to be more acidic. And so I ended up having to go get one of those once a day antacids because every day, every day was bad. Yeah. You can't eat Taco Bell and hot dogs every day. What? (laughs) And it sucks because like there was definitely a period in my life where I did and was fine. Yeah. (laughs) Same here. But not, not anymore. No, yeah, I was looking not at anymore. I was looking at pepperoni pizza like it was going to kill me. Yeah, yeah, or red wine, and I'm like, oh, man, yeah. like I love wine, but like, come on, man. 
<laughs> can't even have one glass today. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Jenny is always like trying, you know, and every time she pours herself a glass, I'm like, yep, let me try just a sip. And immediately, like, it doesn't even hit all the way. Like, I'm start swallowing it. And it's like, yep, there's the heartburn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But <laughs> I have a propensity for um, peptic ulcers. I had a peptic ulcer oh, before. Okay. And the the uh, the medication is the thing that sort of reduced it. Plus, what, like, removing acid from my diet. Like, the doctor told me, because I was drinking a rock star a day. Yeah. And... Because I thought that uh, coffee was bad because it was acidic. And, and the doctor was like, well, look, like you need to avoid carbonation. And I was like, well, which is worse, coffee or carbonation? He goes, carbonation. Oh. Straight up, he goes, you, you know, pick coffee over that. He's like, because the carbonation is just – it's attacking any, you know, any ulcer that you have in there. Mm-hmm. You know, any, any sort of sore, it's just like being bombarded by, you know, gas and like stretching and, and carbonation, which is acidic, you know. So, <laughs> gotta, so yeah, I had to sort of revamp – everything for a little while until it cured itself. Wow. And then now if I don't, if I don't, yeah, if I don't take my pills, I'm down to once a day because I was taking them twice a day. So now if I don't take it once a day, after about three days, I start getting heartburn again with everything, no matter what I eat. Yep. You know? And then so, but if I take it, I'm good. I can, I can do all right. And I don't wake up drowning in the middle of the night on stomach acid anymore, which is yeah. good. Yeah. I may have a practical, <laughs> sir. <laughs> 